Hello boys and girls and welcome to the Abby Khan Show. On today's episode, I have a very exciting guest for you, Michael Italiano. Michael is the performance coach for Mr. Daniel Ricardo, who you might have heard of. I mean, I'm sure you have because he is one of the best F1 drivers in the world right now. So we're going to talk all about his coaching of Daniel. He's going to talk about the nutrition, what the off-season, the on-season looks like, and a few of the strategies that they use to basically get amped up for every single race. Guys, before we delve into the episode, I just want to thank you all for joining us today. And if you haven't already, I would really appreciate you guys leaving us a rating on whatever listening platform you are listening on, whether that is Apple, Spotify, Anchor, etc. Love you to give me a rating and see exactly what you think I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast so I can continue to provide better quality content and a better listening experience for you. So without further ado of me rambling on, please enjoy this episode with Michael Italiano. You're listening to The Abby Khan Show, a podcast that inspires people to achieve what they once believed was impossible. My name's Abby Khan. I'm an actor, health and fitness coach, and it is my mission to connect with interesting people, share their stories, Find out how they optimize their lives for success and how you can do the same. I have the absolute pleasure today of chatting with Mr. Michael Italiano. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Abby. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Mate, just for the couple of people that may not know who you are, can you just give us a rough background of who you are and what you do? Okay. My name is Michael Italiano. I am the performance coach to Formula One driver Daniel Ricciardo. So I pretty much spend most of my life traveling with Daniel on the, the Formula One circuit. Uh, my primary role, my sole responsibility is him uh, looking after his uh, physical performance, his mental performance, and, and also uh, his nutritional needs. And also uh, on race, race weekends, I'm the guy who prepares him to perform. Where does that mainly be based? Is that in the in the UK sort of area, or is it? Are you just following literally around the world from wherever wherever that is? Yeah, it's based on where the races are, pretty much throughout the year. I think seventy percent of the races, seventy percent of the twenty two races, are within Europe. So, um, for that reason, I base myself in London because it's quite central to the the F one calendar. Um, Daniel has uh, residency in in Monaco, so usually when we're in Europe, we'll, we'll head between uh, London and Monaco, Monaco to get good training, um, a good training camp in, and London because most of the F1 team's factories are based in UK, so they have to do uh, some simulation days, which is people not, not, not aware what that is. It's you're pretty much sitting in a in a fake car with big TV screens, and it's almost <laughs> like you know you're you're gaming as such, and they're, they're testing they're testing the car. So um, yeah, mainly when we're in Europe, it's between London and Monaco, and and then yeah, pretty much all the international circuits. We usually stay out in those countries because sometimes it's not not worth flying all the way back. Mm. So before we touch on the the performance aspects and things like that with Daniel, I'm interested in in your beginnings. What got you into the the personal training coaching industry in the first place? Yeah, a bit of an odd one, uh, actually. So uh, th- throughout my uh, my high school years, which is um, I always wanted to be an architect. Um, I, I was something that I always aspired to. I was massively into sport, so I was playing um, Aussie rules football. Um, quite seriously, that was pretty much my, my go-to, um, and I ended up started studying um, civil and structural engineering. So I was 
I was uh, I've had a nine to five job with an engineering firm doing civil design, and it was uh, I, I enjoyed it when I when I left school. Then I was a, I was a ripe seventeen year old, went straight to the workforce. Um, um, it, it was it was enjoyable, and then I think as my sport ramped up, I started gaining a lot more passion for not only sport but how can I optimize my performance. So I started reading a lot of health and nutrition um, books, fitness books, and and I, I just couldn't stop reading um, these type of books. And I thought, wow, this is actually something that I really enjoy. And I ended up picking up a book. Um, it's a very popular book. Maybe you've you've read it, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, yeah. So I picked up that book because I mainly wanted to. I was curious to see what he had to say regarding. Um, you know, he was he was really highly recognised for giving really good financial advice. Um, and I was in a, I was at a stage of my of my life where I thought, you know what, it's something I've actually never really dived into and try to you know learn you know, I guess the art of finance and something that he, he spoke about in the book was about uh, coping with fear and why fear prevents people from taking big, big steps in their life. Um, so I, I'm reading this book thinking I'm going to get a, a financial lesson and I actually got a bit of a life lesson from it. And um, yeah, this is a true story. Actually, I read the book and that day I signed up for my uh I signed up for an online fitness course straight off the bat. Um, told my parents that I'm going to change my my career after seven years, and they thought I was absolutely bananas and, and crazy for doing <laughs> because you know I've just acted in emotion. They thought, which is fair enough. Like I understand that their parents they're only trying to protect you. And um, may I, I literally from that from the get go, I hadn't stopped. I um, I studied online part time for. I think one or two years whilst I was still working just to keep that transition um, quite quite easy moving out of a full-time job and then as a lot of PTs know once you go, get into the coaching industry you need to work really hard at the start to, to build a strong strong clientele base so I, I went from a, a pretty easy job where you sit and click in a mouse to uh, to a job where I was like wow okay I've, I've got no clients here and uh, here we go, and uh, I started a strength and conditioning business in Perth, and uh, within a year, it uh, I was I was hitting a lot of goals. I had about fifty clients, um, a lot of um, uh, Aussie rule players, football players, rugby players, golf players, mixed martial artists. I had I had the lot, and I had a lot of corporates come through as well. And this is when uh, I guess Daniel probably saw my value in coaching, um, being from Perth, and. We were actually uh, um, friends at the time. Um, I think I was, yes, yeah, so I was working full time two years as a as a coach, and then he uh, randomly offered me the job. But uh, yeah, not to go too deep. That was uh, that was my little uh, crazy journey. It just it just took one book, and I uh, I just changed my path completely, and I haven't looked back. It's so interesting. I find when you go into reading a book or a piece of literature or something with one perception of like okay i'm gonna get something around this you come out the other end with something completely different but like where the hell did that come from <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a crazy book i've actually recommended it to a lot of friends and family and they have the exact same response that i've had and um yeah if anyone asks me you know a, a book recommendation i always go for that one i know it's a popular one but it it, it really got me and when it because it has such a personal touch to me i'm yeah i'm, I'm always going to re- recommend that book 
So I'm interested um, in the the mindset perspective from from you as a coach. How are you staying focused coaching such a high level athlete? Because imagine there's a fair bit of pressure on you if if Daniel's not performing or if he's you know he's a little bit lethargic or whatever it might be. How do you stay focused from that perspective with all that pressure? Yeah, good question. This is something that I actually asked myself at the end of 2018. So. Uh, being my first year in, in Formula One, there were a lot of unknowns. It's a very uh, it's a very private sector, Formula One. Unless you're in the paddock, there's not much you know. I mean, b- before before the Netflix series Drive to Survive, not many people knew what, what actually went on in in the F1 paddock. Um, so yeah, come 2018, obviously your first year, there's there's a bit of doubt in your mind. You know, am I good enough as a coach? And again, you know, you're with a very, very strong driver here, so there's super high expectations. Like, if he's not performing, the first person they're going to look at is me. Um, so, I, I spent all my energy, obviously, trying to help Daniel. But then I, I soon realised that, you know, if I'm not looking after myself, I'm no benefit to Daniel. And you know, there were I think three times through a year where you know I got the flu really bad. So. One, I can't be around him because I don't want him to get the flu, and you know, and I, I wasn't educating myself enough on pretty much keeping myself healthy. I, I think we all know how to keep us, ourselves healthy, but I, I was walking into this new new life of traveling every seven days, different time zones, um, different type of external pressures. Uh, I, I kind of was focusing a lot on Daniel and not enough myself. So um, I asked that exact question to myself. Uh, at the end of 2018, I thought, okay, I, I think there's a very important element of this job where you need to keep yourself focused and keep yourself on track. And I think one way one way I did that was I, I, I told myself it's it's important to have your key hobbies in life, stuff that you can do anywhere, no matter where you are. One to get your mind off F1, and two to to you know make yourself feel good. And you know one of those things is training. Training has a massive placebo effect on me personally um so i'll always make sure that i get get my training in whether you know we're we're in austria or or america or bahrain i'll I'll make sure that we always have a gym um available at whatever hotel we're at and so that way i can train and you know the feeling of sweating and and then having a cold shower after for me is is a it's a bit of a refresher um i I like reading as well um and i also like earthing i like getting out and, and getting some nature um, it's actually something I kind of adopted at the start of 2019. It was actually um, something that Daniel actually really likes doing and um, I started getting into it more. And it's something that I think really, really helps as well. So to answer your question, to stay focused, I think it, it required more more work outside of F1 to try and have a have a balanced lifestyle. So I incorporated some, some of those um, and that kind of, refreshed me and that way when I got to the track I was I was ready to go now I love that you said that about working internally to work externally almost it's, it's super important that we uh that we do that and and as you know yourself you get lost in like trying to give your clients so yeah. so so much and you're happy to not sleep you're happy to not eat and just give them everything but you realize after a while it's the law of diminishing returns like at some point you're going to break and therefore their results are going to break as well yeah yeah spot on and I guess this was the learning phase for me. It was um, the first year. I, I, um, I took down a lot of data, a lot of notes, and, and 2019 was a huge, huge change. We changed a lot of things, and you know, even even just little things like jet lag protocols. You know, I'm, I'm 
creating all these jet lag protocols for him, but I'm not even applying it to myself because I'm too worried about how he's going to sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I haven't even slept, you know? So, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, it's been a lot better. It's been a lot better, but 2018 was a, was a big learning curve. Do you think that earthing, I mean, I, I completely believe in that and I think it's important for, me, for everyone, but do you think it came from you, your guys' roots being in Australia? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I, I definitely, um, the Perth lifestyle is a very outdoor lifestyle. Um, you know, when the, the sun's always out, so people are always at parks, they're, you know, they're, they're in the ocean and on the sand and that's something I, I, I always was as a kid, you know, mm. um, in Perth, you're, you're quite fortunate. You, you know, most houses, they're on quite big big land so you always have a front yard you always have a backyard um so you're always out where it's a bit different here um in in uk as such yeah there's not much earthing going to happen in london (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i I will admit though when the sun is out everyone is out of the park so so i I think they see the value in it too they just don't get the opportunity because it's too cold oh as soon as the sun is out shirts are off and everyone's outside in the uk it's it's quite a sight yeah, yeah. I, I, no one, no one uh, suntans in in Australia on a park. Um, so when I saw people suntanning in a, on in a park, I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. But then I realised it's just just a different lifestyle, right? Mm. No, absolutely. So I'm interested in. So we we briefly you briefly touched on there how Daniel sort of approached you with all your success in the gyms and stuff. So in terms of his training, which I'd love to delve into. What does that look like in the in the off season? What's the focus in the off season? I want to go training nutrition, but we'll start with the we'll start with the training aspect. Sure. So the F one season starts in March and doesn't finish till December. So it's actually one of the longest sporting seasons in in the world. Um, it's it's huge, and it's I think it's going to get longer because uh, there's a few whispers that they want to increase the twenty two races to twenty four in the future. So the season could get even longer. So because we because it's such a long season, I give him. We finish around fourth of December, so I, I give him December off. We we land back in Perth, and I give him the whole December as a complete time to himself to do whatever he wants to do. And yeah, usually you do you do the obvious thing, and you hang out with family and friends, and it's Christmas time, so you just lay low and and spend time with people that you haven't seen for the rest of the year. So December would be completely off, and this is when we would probably not talk to each other at all because we're we're literally in each other's faces for 11 months of the year so you need a break from each other for sure so i'll kind of like i'll tell him hey delete my number <laughs> just <laughs> don't talk to me we'll um I'll, I'll plan your training and i'll and i'll see you first week of january so uh pre-season will start first week of jan usually like the fourth or fifth of january um and then the season starts around mid-march so we we technically have two two full months of of un, uninterrupted training before we have to head back to UK and then he has a lot of marketing commitments to do so um, within that time um, as you know there's we focus a lot on, on on his strength so I will periodize his, his strength training because with Formula One um, just to give people a bit of an insight it's their their weight restriction is is uh, it's very demanding they they have very very uh, limited leeway on how much they can gain um, from a, from an overall body um, body weight perspe- perspective. So um, I can't, or I, you can. It depends on the de- depends on the type of individual athlete you have. But for Daniel, we we can, we can't do much hypertrophy training. I mean, we we wouldn't anyways. But um, 
you know, if, if a F1 athlete has some defici- muscle deficiency somewhere, then yeah, sure. But um, Daniel puts on muscle quite easily. So mm-hmm. even with even with strength training, I actually have to reduce his uh, lower body strength training, training quite a lot because uh, he puts on a lot of muscle on his legs. So he's actually quite a difficult athlete to, to deal with because, uh, yeah, he's, for some reason he just he can really stack on the weight and that's not a good thing. Um, I mean, it's a great thing for any athlete, right? You'd probably mm. want to stack on a lot of massive yeah. muscle on your legs, right? <laughs> but uh, but not for Formula One. So um, to answer your question, in those two months, we um, usually start with his strength training, so getting getting moving again. So we, we would build up slowly. So we 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 do some a lot of dynamic mobility stuff just to remind the body that you know we're going to get moving again, and then we'd start tapering up to, to his strength training and, and get the, the big compound movements in, but nothing too crazy for the first, for the first month as such, just really just reminding the body. Um, same, same with his, with his cardio training. So we usually, uh, mix between cycling and running. Um, we don't really do, uh, we, we, and from a cardiovascular point of view, we do a lot of, uh, sauna stuff. So we, we play around with some sauna training as well to, to enhance his endurance because, uh, you know, I've read a lot of research on, on, on sauna training and, and how it can actually help with endurance. So um, I think cyclists are quite big, big in, uh, mm. in that actually, in that aspect. Um, and then, yeah, and then when we get closer to the season, I'll start incorporating a lot of his reaction and peripheral training. That's when I start to really, um, really ramp up that type of training and, and get his, his neural drive back and these reactions back. But um yeah, one key element I did I did forget to miss during during this is obviously his neck training. So <laughs> there's a lot going on, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of planning. But if there's one thing that's consistent throughout, um, you know, there, there will, will be deload weeks where we really do, you know, taper off the, the the weights and 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 the running. But if there's one thing that we don't really deload, it's the neck. Um, and and the reason for that is because you can't really train the neck for g-force you just can't it's it's impossible right and uh the one disadvantage formula one drivers have is you know during off season they can't just jump in a formula one car and do a couple laps it just doesn't work where you know if if you're a basketball you can shoot hoops you know you you can you can run from lane to lane and you can kind of get a bit of similar match sim play to prepare for the season but you can't match sim in formula one you can't jump in a go-kart it just it's not the same feel, right? So it's it's very hard for a driver to conditionally be fully prepared, which is why testing in Barcelona in February, which is really important, is because they get their opportunity for three, four days to test the new car and get as many laps in as possible to really condition their body for the first race. Um, and the first thing that goes in testing is their neck. No matter how much you train their neck, it's a, it's a very comfortable reminder that okay yeah one the cars get faster every year so the g-force tends to usually increase year by year so the load on the neck is is actually a lot more year on year so the neck has to be stronger and stronger each year so um yeah so the the neck is is one of the muscles that we train actually the most in off season what does the um Touching on the cardiovascular perspective, are you looking at more anaerobic work, more aerobic work? What's going to be the most applicable thing to to the F one? Good question. We, we work we work with both. So I'll try and I'll try and touch on each like tw- twice a week, maybe. Mm. Um, if anything, um, yeah. It, 
it, it kind of depends. It depends where we are. Off 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 season, we'll, we'll probably probably stick to the more longer durations. Um, and but then during during like in season, we'll probably we'll probably touch on on both. Mm. We'll probably touch on both um, because in season, you're it's almost like it's it's kind of like any sport. In, in season, you're 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 pretty much fit. You're match fit. Yeah, you're maintenance. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. I just mm. took words out of my mouth. It's, it's a maintenance thing, and also there's a huge, huge aspect on recovery in season mm. as well. Um, and again, we can, we can touch on that later if you want or, mm-hmm. or now it's up to you, but yeah, there's, there's a huge, huge focus on recovery in season. What does the, um, obviously there's a very, uh, strict weight, um, there was a weight restriction on the on yeah. the training, but what does that look like in off season? Obviously, you give Daniel a little bit of time off, but are you still like you know? Um, I still want you to not eat like a complete idiot and just go all out. What does that look like in the off yeah. season? Are you tracking macros, calories? Are you just giving a bit more guidance around nutrition? What does that look like in the off season? Yes, so guidance is probably the big one. So he's he's had a lot of guidance because he's he's thirty one this year, so. Um, he's had a lot of guidance throughout his, his course of his career and, and I'll always give him guidance. He'll always ask me questions about certain foods and, you know, certain, certain, you know, timings of certain, you know, macros. And, um, so I'm kind of fortunate where he's now a senior driver. So he kind of, he, he knows how he needs to eat. So come, come December, I'll, if I say to him, be sensible, he will be sensible. So worst case scenario, he might, he might be two, three kilos a little bit heavier coming to, coming to January, but we have two months to, to get that off. And we always have a body composition test around February just to make sure that he's within the, the, the range of, of what he usually is at every year. Um, and yeah, actually every year he, he keeps improving slightly and slightly. So um, yeah, he's actually getting better with age. <laughs> and I guess most of that is going to drop, is going to drop some water weight quite quickly as well. So that two, three kilos might come off pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I'm sure, like like you know, I guess you know, the more pre seasons you do, the more you train the body to, it's it's quite easy. Mm. Your, your body has a has a very very distinct memory. So, um, yeah, if he's never really blown himself away, but uh, to answer your second party question, we don't necessarily count calories as such, not not to that um, extremity as such, because um, we, we'll do his weight, um, so we'll, t- we'll track his weight. Um, we'll track his training volume, and then when we get the DEXA done in February, if there's something there that needs highlighting, then we probably go to that extreme. But because he's because he's so far developed as a as a senior guy, and we kind of know where he needs to be, and we know where his where his ranges are. It's, it's we don't really need to, um, and we we can't we, we kind of know what he needs to eat, how much he needs to eat, and we actually know what works for his body. Where if I was taking on a a junior driver and let's say his first second year of formula one then yeah you'd obviously need to have a lot more closer of an eye of of what he's eating and and how it's actually respond how he's responding to it so if we touch on the actual in season in terms of of training um how does that differ so you're looking at building a lot of strength can't do much hypertrophy leading in the off off season what does that in season training look like obviously it's more maintenance you're not going to put on a you know crazy amount of strength or anything like that but what does that training look like on a week-to-week basis yeah so first year you know i've looked at the schedule and i'm like okay cool there's heaps of uh heaps of space for training so i've gone and periodized (laughs) a year's worth of training and uh 
I tell you what, you want to be an F1 coach, you need to be versatile, you need to be very flexible because uh, I didn't realize the the harm of, of jet lag, <laughs> <laughs> the extremities of jet lag. And so, yeah, to answer your question, it's, it is maintenance, but it's a lot about recovery, like heaps. And I say that because we don't have the luxury of having, you know, a club room or, you know, where, you know, you look at a, f- a football team, they have a luxury of having an actual proper, you know, rehab facility and, and, you know, and recovery facilities where they have ice baths and they have all these, you know, hyperbaric, you know, chambers and stuff like that. So we, because we, we're in hotel from hotel, you know, we don't have these these great facilities where we can actually enhance our recovery as such. So we have to, you know, do, do the do the simple things. The simple things work, but it also means that it's probably going to take us longer to recover as well. So, um, you know, a little example is like, you know, we'll, he'll have a race on a sat- Sunday and we're flying straight out the Sunday night to a point where we probably don't even get time to, to cool down, stretch, you know, you know, I think I, I quickly blend him up a, a post, you know, recovery shake, and he's drinking it in, in a taxi on the way to the airport because we're trying to, you know, rush to get to get to the get to the, get on our flight. So, and then you know, you're on a flight, and sometimes you know he's still so wide he can't even sleep on the flight. And then we're heading to a completely different time zone, and his body's just completely off. So, in season is actually a lot more about recovery and getting back on whatever time zone we're on as soon as possible and like you said maintenance so maintenance would be um sticking to our our, our cardiovascular work um not we will do some strength stuff but if anything that's probably the, the least the, the least important and again just working with the neck um mm-hmm. keeping the neck strong because um what studies have shown is as soon as uh, as soon as you lose lose tension in your neck when you're driving and your, your head starts to, to maneuver whilst you're in the car, that's actually when you actually start losing some lap time. So it's really crucial that you keep these athletes' necks really strong so they, one, they can control the car and two, keep their, their head in line. I guess the nap being the, the head being the equilibrium point to our whole body as soon as it starts to go lopsided or anything like that, it's going to affect your um, the way the nervous system is going to react to, to your motor neurons, to your um, to your um, uh, coordination, and all that sort of stuff as well. Everything, it, everything, and then when you start fatiguing, obviously, when you start fatiguing, that's when your performance starts to decline. So, in terms of in terms of nutrition dur- during the season, is it how sort of militant is it? Yeah, look. Like I said, we don't count calories, mm. but we we definitely eat appropriately. Yeah. Like you, you have to. You, you can't you can't take the piss in yeah. in this in this sport because you know you you come overweight by a kilo uh, for qualifying. You're giving you're you're giving every other opponent one tenth advantage before you even step in the car. Mm. You know, so if if you want to be the best in the world and and you can't even you can't even carry your weight appropriately. You know, well then there's you need to ask yourself some questions. Mm. You know, these guys are ultimate professionals, so in order to be an ultimate professional, you need to keep on top of your weight. Unfortunately, that's just part of the sport. So mm. in um, in season, it's it's always very well controlled. And you know, if we're if we're in a nice place, like <laughs> I, I, I always give an example like this, but Austin, for instance, if we get to Austin on a Monday, you know, of course we're going to go for 
you know, a, a barbecue one night because yeah. it's the best barbecue in the world. And, <laughs> you know, we are going to enjoy that. But will it be a, on a Saturday night before a race? Definitely not. Mm. It, it'd probably be the Monday or Tuesday leading up. Um, so in, anything from like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like heading real close into the week, it's it's strict. But, yeah, if we get to the good places early, we'll... We'll, we'll taste a bit of what the culture has to offer. <laughs> I guess you need to for that from a psychological perspective. You're going to go there. He's going to just regret the hell out of it and be like, shit, I wish I had something then. Oh, you smell it everywhere. So it's like it's it's, it's part of it's part of the privilege, right? You get to go to these amazing places, then you also got to try what they're all about. So I'm I'm all for it. What does the recovery look like? Obviously, that's a super super important aspect of the the whole sport. What sort of recovery protocols are you guys using? Well, <laughs> as, as good as is what we have available, to be honest, <laughs> um, we, we have, we have, we said, I set up some jet lag protocols, so I just, it's nothing fancy. It's an Excel spreadsheet tells him, you know, when to sleep, when to give himself, um, um, expose himself to light, sorry, when to, you know, don't expose himself to light, um, caffeine timing mm-hmm. as well. So, um, part of, part of his, his jet lag protocol is part of his recovery um, we do a lot of stretching. We, you know, we've now adopted. Um, I think we've got about three, three massage guns, three Theraguns that travel around. Like, <laughs> so we've got one in, you know, Monaco, one in our race bag. So we've always got a gun on us, so that way we can actually, um, you know, help and aid, aid in recovery. Um, when we're in Monaco, we're actually quite fortunate there. We've got a beach close by, so we'll do a lot of morning morning beach sessions. Um, it kind of depends where we are, mm. to be honest. Um, but like, like I said, it's, it's the simple things that we do. So sleep, um, supplementation, so a lot of magnesium, um, and then a lot of stretching and a lot of, a lot of massaging as well. Are you using any sort of ice baths or anything like that? I guess it depends on where you are. Uh, you're maybe nipping out to the, the local store and just grabbing a tub of ice and throwing it in the hotel bath or anything. Yeah. So in the hotel, no, we haven't actually. It's, it's a good idea. It's probably something we should implement, but we've actually adopted an ice bath at the races. So oh. uh, some hot races, to, to name a few, Budapest and Singapore um, are usually very, very hot races. So we've actually got ourselves got ourselves um, a little ice bath that we set up in the back of the paddock there and he can get in pre and post uh, sessions. And we've also uh, invested in some, some ice vests as well, which we bring. To race weekends as well that he can he can whack on because uh, yeah those those suits they wear those fireproof suits I tell you they they can hold some heat and that <laughs> their their body temperature just skyrockets as soon as they they whack that suit on so uh, yeah keeping keeping the body cool is 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 it's a tough thing mm. definitely it's definitely tough in, in the hotter races. How hot does it get? Like especially in the I guess when he's actually driving, do you do you guys have any idea of where his te- body temperature goes to? Uh, I don't. We we actually not allowed that information, believe it or not. Oh, uh, if one no, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I'd assume, I'd assume it, it get it gets super hot. Mm. Um, to, to I mean, it's hard to explain. But you know, when you're on the grid, come come race day on Sunday, you know they've got they've got um, Under Armour, and then they've got actual their race suits on, and then they've got their balaclava, and then they've got their helmet. Then they're sitting in a car that is about six inches off the ground where the engine's on and the heat is just rising from the asphalt. Uh, so my legs are burning because I'm standing next to him providing him some drink bottles and uh, 
and then every and then you got you got you know you got all the other cars that are on the grid you know jacked up so mm. it is super hot so i can only imagine you know they're in this little tight seat and you know this seat is personally designed for them it's it's molded to them so they're super tight like you, they can hardly move in this seat because it has to be so compact um it's it can't be the most comfortable thing. <laughs> I guess it's an advantage that you guys are from Perth as well. Looks like with the heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny enough. He actually he actually loves the heat, so mm. he doesn't actually find it uh, a problem at all. So uh, unfortunately, he actually finds the cold worse. <laughs> so like you said, definitely, uh, definitely Perth lads. <laughs> um, what uh, what is a typical day in the life on game day look like you for you can you just run us through that like when are you guys waking up and what does that whole day look like in terms of training pre-game um movement uh, pre-game warm-ups nutrition all that sort of stuff yeah okay just to put it out there i hate i, I it's i hate sundays i hate <laughs> i love sundays because we're competing but i also hate sundays uh and the reason why i hate sundays is because the the amount of work that these drivers have to do prior to getting in a car is it's it's beyond words um and i say that because you know we'll, we'll wake up uh depending on the time of the race usually the european races are on about 3 p.m so you know we'll wake up around eight o'clock and usually he doesn't have to be at the track till around 11 o'clock rough, roughly for his first commitment so you know get up at eight o'clock We'll start drinking, um, do our dynamic stretches. So we have a bit of a dynamic stretch protocol. It goes for about 40 minutes just to get the body moving. It's a full body dynamic session that we do together. Um, and then we'll probably just have breakfast, jump in jump in the car and, and, and get to the track. And uh, once he gets to the track, it is full on. He has paddock club meet and greets. He has fan meet and greets. Uh, and then I, ha- I have a little, I have a half an hour window to give him his lunch so I'll, I'll organize his lunch from the chefs so we we have lovely chefs that will um cook us cook us food um and and obviously i give him a time and, and what to cook and they'll provide it on that specific time because his schedule's so busy it has to, his meals are also scheduled based on his his race um and then he goes to his engineering meeting he runs over what's actually happening for the race and then he'll go through his strategy meeting so based on tire tire strategies and then i literally the only time me and him get coach and 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 driver time is 45 minutes before the race and uh, where he'll come in and we'll do uh, a 30 a 30 minute 30 to 40 minute preparation so it's a standard preparation that we do for every race um and then we'll head into the garage and it's to the pits for the the national anthem and there's interviews going on you know i'm trying to get him back to do our you know we have a we have about a five minute window after the national anthem to get back to the garage and do our final reaction and peripheral drills just to quickly sharpen him up before he jumps in the car um and then walking back to the car there's more interviews it's uh it's it's crazy how these these guys actually get so much access to 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 athletes that are literally about to jump in a car and race you know like if you think about footballers on 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 game day, you know there's there's no one they're, mm. they're they're non-accessible. You can, you can't access them because it's it's game day. You know they've got three three hours to themselves to prepare. Where uh, these Formula One drivers don't. <laughs> it's it's a real bizarre Sunday, which is why I fall back to my uh, my initial comments of <laughs> I hate Sundays because as a coach, you obviously you know 
you want you want what's best for the athlete and, and what's best for the athlete is to is to not be running around doing this stuff but I guess that's that's the game right so you just got got to accept it and you got to you got to mold around it mm. and uh, so yeah to answer your question it is crazy and we probably we only get forty five minutes with each other um, once we leave the hotel pretty much once we once we get to the track it's it's go go go. Mm. Um, so yeah, you'll probably see Daniel on the grid just put his headphones on for the last five minutes before he jumps in and just just lay down on the lawn. And it's probably really the only time he gets to himself. And that's kind of when I like him just to zone out and, and do his thing and listen to what he wants to listen to and and yeah, get into the zone. What does he listen to? I'm intrigued. Do you know? Is it like some Celine Dion or is it like Backstreet Boys? Like what is that? <laughs> no, look, it's it's mainly a, it's mainly a bit of metal, a bit of rock. Yeah. It's 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 music that has. Um, oh, it kind of it kind of depends on the race, and mm. it depends on certain situations. And and I say that because sometimes you know if you're coming off a off, off a bad weekend, you know there's certain there's certain music that he listens to that he reacts well to when he, when there's a bit of adversity. Mm. Uh, and then you know there's certain times where you know. And maybe our backs up against the wall, and he has particular songs that he he, he refers to, and, and he he feels that he emotionally attaches to this particular situation. So he actually uses music to, I guess, help him emotionally. And um, we we kind of theme each race. And what I mean by theme each race is we're we're, we're massive on the whole mental um, training and, and psychological psychology of, of sport. Mm. Um, and he believes in it. I believe in it. So every week. I'll put up two A4 blank pieces of papers on our on our room, and I'll write a quote, and he'll write a quote, and that's our theme for that rat race. Um, and sometimes that theme, you know, it relates to a certain type of music. So that will be the type of music he listens to. But I can confirm he's never listened to Celine Dion. Oh, um, so nothing wrong with Celine Dion, of course. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's not his style. He's he's more of a a, a metal. A metal type of dude. Like, get amped up, let's go, let's get in the zone, let's yeah. make this work. Because I guess it's going to be very, it's a very sympathetic, dominant spot anyway, so you at least want that mental acuity and drive to be there as well. Correct, correct. So throughout the day, it's it's more mellow. He likes to build up slowly, so he's a really calm dude, and, and I like that about him, and that's something we always talk about is being calm. Um, so it's a very, very calm approach, especially in the warm-up. When music's playing the warm-up, it's, it's quite calm, and then he'll ramp up as the time gets closer to him jumping in the car. Oh, beautiful. I'm yeah. interested in, in the the habits and routines that you that you may have on a day-to-day basis to keep yourself yourself switched on, yourself sort of focused. Do you have any specific like morning, nighttime routines, anything of that nature that you use to optimize your success? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, and again, I haven't I haven't optimized this to, to say this is like, you know, the perfect way around it but i'm a big fan of having a strong morning routine i'm a massive fan of that i, I think it can set up your day immensely and, and how you go about your day and how you react to certain situations in that day so i'm a big fan of, of um a, a good morning routine so you know waking up and doing your dynamic stretching actually get moving get, getting your blood flowing and waking yourself up with some some natural light so um, you know, to give an example, waking up, just going for for a walk, and you know, you know, doing a bit of earthing, so getting out into a bit of nature, which is something I've actually enjoyed in UK at the moment because the sun's up real early. Um, so I'll do that and get moving, just just light light walk and 
get some get some natural light to to wake the, the the body up and then i usually get back and i'll do some dynamic stretching so i'll do my dynamic stretching i'm a massive fan of of actually getting the whole body moving um especially through the spine get get, get your spine moving um i like making myself a, a ginger and lemon tea just to just to detox the body a bit just before you start eating i don't i don't like to eat straight away i like to get into a bit of a yeah i like to just move a bit and 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 i guess yeah sip sip on a tea before i I eat i don't usually eat straight away um love reading in the morning i think reading in the morning is amazing um i think staying away from your phone in the morning is also very very uh important you know i used to be that guy who would wake up and look at my emails straight away because I was always off time zone. So mm-hmm. I'd always have emails coming in at odd hours. So I'd always have a full inbox when I was waking up. And I, I just kind of feel like that kind of sets the cortisol curve early mm-hmm. if you uh, if you wake up to that. So uh, trying to avoid the mobile for sure. Um, but that, that's pretty much that's pretty much me. Um, and then I'll pr- try and do like a 30-minute hit session. Um, and that sometimes is a hit session. Um, or sometimes if I'm not completely fully energized, I'll do like 30 minutes of skipping. So I like just skipping, putting the headphones on and listening to a podcast. Um, so it sounds like a lot in the morning, but it's actually not. Yeah. Because when you're walking, you're just, you're kind of waking up, you're looking in the sky and, and then you have a tea and then you do some stretching and then I, I need something on in the background. Um, so it's either music or it's a podcast. Uh, but that's, that usually sets me up. And then once I have a shower, I'm, I'm ready to eat. I'm ready to start the day. What are a couple of the biggest lessons you've learned from from coaching at the highest level? It could be from a mindset perspective or um, just a day day to day perspective. Yeah, good question. I'm going to say, as a coach, understanding your client on a very deep level. I think from a especially in F one because you spend so much time with them. <laughs> You can you can you can apply so much theory to these guys, and and a lot of it, a lot of it won't work. They're they're, they're unique individuals. It's a unique sport, and it's a very very unique lifestyle. And I think yeah, being able to understand them on a deeper level is is a is a is a great asset to have because then, you know, that's you being, that's you as a coach knowing how to be as flexible and as understanding. I think that's a, a key one, um, specifically in, in the F1 realm. Um, and I think the other thing that I've learned is that I, I know now why these guys have made the top level because from my experience, their mentality it stands out quite, quite, quite obviously from the rest. And to be a part of that and just to, you know, be a sounding board all the time because, you know, you are a coach. So, you know, there's one thing barking orders, but there are, there are a lot of times throughout the year where you have to be a sounding board and you just have to sit back and listen, listen to what they have to say, listen to how they're feeling. Why, you know, why do they react to this certain way? Um, and understanding these guys' minds is, is, is insane. I think it's one of the biggest privileges I have as a coach is to understanding Daniel, uh, Daniel from, from a mental point of view, he's mentally resilient. Um, and if there's one thing I've learned from it is that it's kind of, it's kind of breathed on me and it's kind of made me a lot more resilient as a coach, but also as a person, um, and it's helped me through life. So I, I think that is probably one of the, the biggest things you could ever have. If you ever have a, a fortunate opportunity to, to, to talk to an athlete, I think being able to, to pick their, their mental brain is, is, is a big one. What do you think you've taught him 
lessons that you've tried to impart upon him and that you think he's taken away from you? So the biggest thing I've I've kind of applied to Daniel is making him understand that when you, as you're getting older, you need to, you need to train smarter, not harder. And that's one thing that I, I, I started applying to him last year. I was like, mate, you know, you're turning 30. Um, naturally, right, it's just the way the human body works. Your, your reactions will probably slide. You probably won't be as reactive as what you were at 2021. That's just, that's just facts. Um, you know, it's not about me trying to get you to hit your PBs that you hit when you're 26, 27 in the gym with a barbell on your back. It's about training smarter, not harder. And that's something we adapted um, we had, sorry, we adopted in 2019, and it's something that he really, really enjoyed, and he really, really found uh, the benefits from. So, if there's one thing that I've taught Daniel, it's as you get older, you, you have to look after your body a lot better, and you have to be a lot smarter, and and you have to listen to your body, and that's something that we've adopted, and it's something that he's he's really enjoying. Um, and you know, and for instance, you know, I put a huge, huge. Um, I put a huge highlight on on dynamic stretching and movement in general. Just doing a lot of movement drills, uh, stuff that he never did because his body his body was starting to get started to stiffen up a lot more. Um, you know, he wasn't as he wasn't as bouncy and, and, and elastic as what he was when he was 20, 22, 23, You know, so he's he's understanding that stuff, and that's something that I'll that's definitely something that I've taught him. We uh, we touched briefly on a on a book you recommend so you hit it way ahead of before this question but obviously the rich dad poor dad but is there any other books that you recommend that people check out that potentially had a profound impact on your life yeah uh, tim ferris tools of yeah. titans um look it's i'm yeah i'm in awe of that book mm. I, I think it's amazing and you know if, if there's if there's anything that i get the most motivation from it's 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 listening to to people's success and, and understanding, you know, how they, how they got to where they got. And, and Tim is one of those people and, and being able to have a book with so much, so much information and such vital resources on all these experts. It's, I, I think it's pure gold. You'd be crazy not to have that book. Yeah. After obviously I've read it myself many times and it's a, uh, it's basically the, uh, the blueprint of like, okay, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, Charles Poliquin, um, all these led Hamilton, all these crazy successful people from lots of different realms of the of the world, and you're able to just go. This is what they actually do on a day to day basis to optimize their own success. You know, like it's like almost the key blueprint to success. Yeah, you can go quite crazy in this book because you're just trying to adopt everything. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not it's not the way, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something where you can take. You know, even if you take away. Two percent from that book. I've got no doubt you'll improve your life in, in, in one aspect. No, I couldn't agree more. I want to be really, really respectful of your time as well. But what are you guys working on next? What does the the rest of twenty twenty sort of have in store for you? Well, to, to be quite honest with you, we don't know. Um, <laughs> only eight races have been confirmed so far, so we actually don't know what's in store for us. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of an element of the unknown. So. <laughs> And, you know, I'm excited by that. You know, this is going to be, I think, probably the most toughest season for the drivers. Yes, we've had three months of training because, um, you know, we've had a huge off-season now. So it's you know, longer than usual. So I think all the drivers will be super fit, but they're trying to condense the season, which is, means that, you know, there's less recovery. There's less time mm -hmm. between countries. It's literally back to back to back. So 
it's going to be so much more challenging than last year. And it's something that we're going to have to adapt new principles, new ways that we think are going to work. So it's something that we're continually talking about, me and Daniel, is, okay, what's going to be different? And what are the, you know, what are some, what are some contingencies that we probably haven't thought of that will occur this year? So yeah, to answer your question, it's an element of un- unknown, but you know, I'm excited about that. It's, mm. it's all, it's all, it's, it's going to help you grow and, and everyone's in it. Every, so there's, there's no, there's no advantages or disadvantages. Everyone's going through the same thing. So it's just about, uh, it's just about being really good at planning. Now we can met. And lastly, where, uh, where can people reach out, find you, see what you're up to, follow your journey? Yes, yeah, so, so I'm mainly active on my website and my Instagram. So my Instagram's at Michael Italiano. So, you know, I, I post a lot of my, our F1 journey and, and, you know, our training, me and Daniel's training. I also post a lot of uh, uh, in-home workouts, weekly workouts and some weekly uh, healthy recipes if, if people want some, some, some of that stuff. And um, my website is www.michaelitaliano.com. That is, uh, it's it's fairly new. It's um, it's going to really ramp up this year. Um, it's pr- it's predominantly just premium body weight programs and heap of, heap of nutrition, healthy recipes, um, and it's 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 quite a cool platform if you really want to dive into programs and 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 you know it's for any fitness goal and any and all, all fitness level. So um, yeah. That keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt it does. And all those will be linked in the show notes below, guys. You can go direct to see exactly what Michael is up to. But Michael, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, you're welcome, Abby. It's been, uh, it's been good talking to you, man. Thank you. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen.